good morning. Welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA here on Anchor FM. And uh, it is my joy to welcome you to this uh, program of Sunshine USA. I'm Warren Landis, the host and Bible teacher here on Sunshine USA. So uh, I'm very excited <laughs> about being here uh, today to teach you the Word of God. Uh, we're actually into our ninth year now of teaching the Bible on the Internet. Uh, I started this back in 2012, and one of the reasons I started this ministry was because I was appalled at how little so many Christians knew about the Bible, the Word of God. And it, it really kind of bothered me that someone would be a child of God and not have a desire to be in the Word of God. Because I tell you, if you love God, and you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know, it seems to me that you want to be as much like Jesus as you could possibly be. Amen? Amen. Well, anyway, we started this ministry, like I say, back in 2012. Uh, in fact, it was the month of September 2012 to be exact. So we are now, let's see, October, November, we're now at least two months into our ninth year of teaching the Bible on the internet, and I am very happy for that. That means we have now spent uh, the better part of a decade on the internet teaching uh, the Bible as the Word of God. And right now we're involved in a series of Bible studies from uh, the Gospel of Mark. Now, as I've indicated before, the Gospel of Mark is very interesting. It is actually the shortest of the four Gospels, and it appears that Mark... Uh, actually got his gospel published before uh, the uh, writers of the other gospels got their gospel published. And, you know, Mark is an example of someone who uh, was willing to grow spiritually. He didn't start off so great. Uh, he got his start in the ministry by serving with Paul and Barnabas on that first missionary journey. But guess what? <laughs> Uh, Mark abandoned ship, and he he took off. He did not complete the missionary journey with Paul and Barnabas. And so when it came time to start the second missionary journey, uh, naturally Barnabas wanted to take uh, Mark with them. Uh, bearing in mind, uh, <laughs> Mark was related to Barnabas, and obviously uh, Barnabas loved him, and he wanted Paul to take uh, Mark with them on that second missionary journey, and Paul said, nope, 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 not going to do it, not going to do it. <laughs> he said he deserted us last time, I'm not going to give him a chance to do it again this time. But we find that over a period of time, it appears that Mark grew and matured spiritually, to the point where by the end of Paul's ministry, uh, Mark had proven himself to be quite useful to Paul, and furthermore, <laughs> Paul was even requesting him. So that was quite a turnaround. Amen. It, it wasn't that uh, Paul became uh, less stringent in his later years. It's that Mark accepted the challenge to become more and more mature spiritually. And he became a man that God could use. Now, here in Mark chapter 5, we read about a very unusual situation. We read about a crazy man, <laughs> some pigs, 
some pig farmers, and of course we read about Jesus. <laughs> and you've got to realize this is quite a story that we're about to read. Now, remember in the last broadcast, we left off where Jesus and his disciples were crossing the Sea of Galilee. And in the process of crossing the Sea of Galilee, they came across this very vicious storm. And, um, and they were so afraid, and I think they were even a little bit ticked off that Jesus seemingly had the audacity to be down in the lower part of the boat sleeping. Can you believe that? Sleeping at a time like that. <laughs> so, you know, they, they wake up Jesus and they say, Jesus, don't you realize there is a storm outside and we're about to perish? Now, I'm sure the storm was probably quite fierce, but maybe they were a little bit exaggerating about the storm. I don't know. Uh, I am told that even to this day, by the way, uh, you could go on the Sea of Galilee on a clear, sunny day, and by the time you get out into the middle of the Sea of Galilee, all of a sudden, a storm seemingly comes up out of nowhere. Now, we get a little bit more warning about this today because meteorology today is, uh, is more of a developed science than it was back in the days of Jesus. But notice, they were here on the Sea of Galilee because Jesus told them to get in the boat and get on the sea. And do you think that Jesus would have told them to get in that boat if they were going to perish in the storm on the boat? No. You see, Jesus told them to get into the boat because he had a very important lesson to teach them. And Jesus knew the best way for them to learn that lesson was through experience. So this big storm comes up on the Sea of Galilee and... The disciples get afraid, they go downstairs, and lo and behold, there's Jesus sleeping. They couldn't believe it. <laughs> and they said, Jesus, we need you to do something. We're about to perish. And Jesus, of course, spoke, and he calmed the sea. The storm went away. Now, you see, the lesson that Jesus wanted his disciples to learn there was that he didn't deliver them from the storm. He delivered them in the storm. <laughs> And, you know, that's the same way Jesus is today. Now, we have uh, this terrible COVID-19 pandemic hitting our nation. And earlier this year, it appeared that it was getting better. Businesses started opening up. And now, lo and behold, here we have a second wave. And in many cases, this second wave is proving to be a lot more dangerous than the first wave. Amen. And uh, so we find that Jesus and his disciples, they learn a very important lesson here. Well, not Jesus, he's teaching a very important lesson. The disciples are learning a very important lesson. And that is that Jesus sometimes, instead of leading us away from the storm, he leads us in the storm so that he can teach us that he is with us in the storm, and that he has the ability to make the storm go away. Now, I'm convinced that in the Lord's timing, this pandemic will eventually go away. Probably not near as fast as we want it to go away. But I think one of the things we're learning here 
is that God is still on the throne. God is totally sovereign. Amen. Now, we come to the new material today, which begins at the very first part of Mark chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. And we see here where it says, And they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had been dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and he was in the tombs crying out, cutting himself with stones. And Jesus, and when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and he worshipped him. Now, I want you to notice something here before we go further. They come to the land of the Gadarenes. We'll talk more, a little bit more just a little bit later on in the program who these Gadarenes were. But they come to this old graveyard, and there's some tombs there. And then there's this crazy man. And uh, I heard one psychologist deliver a, a lay Christian message saying that this man was obviously mentally ill. Now, of course, back in those days, back in the days of Jesus, uh, medical science really didn't know a lot about mental illness. I'm sure they had as many mentally ill people then as we do now. The only difference is, back then, they knew almost nothing about mental illness. And a lot of times, uh, these people were simply looked upon as, well, crazy people. Mixed up people, messed up people. And sometimes, as in the case of this man here, they became so mentally ill that they were violent. And they became a threat to others, which is why people tried to keep him chained up. And uh, it seems that no matter what kind of chains they used, he would always break them off. Nothing seemingly could hold him. Now, I am told, by the way, that sometimes when a person's mentally ill and they, and they get angry and they get distressed, uh, they can produce a strength much stronger than they would normally have. And so it's not totally surprising here that this man would be able to break off these chains, and furthermore, he cut himself. In other words, he was doing injury to himself. And it's no doubt that the people in the nearby town, they were afraid of him. And like I say, that's why they had him locked up in chains as much as they could, night and day. Uh, probably as much for his own protection as for their protection. Amen. But notice... When this man, this crazy man, when he sees Jesus, he comes running toward Jesus. 
And he cried out with a loud voice in verse 7 and said, What have I do with you, Jesus, the Son of the Most High God? I am poor. He says, uh, uh, I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Also he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out into, or rather out of the country. Now that's in verse 10. Now this man, according to the Bible here, is demon-possessed. Now I want to be very careful at this point. I want to be very careful at this point not to suggest, nor do I think the Bible is suggesting here, that all mentally ill people are demon-possessed. I do not believe that is the case. Um, in fact, I know that some people can be mentally ill and not demon-possessed at all, and some people are demon-possessed that are not mentally ill. But in this case, you have a man who is demon-possessed, and in his case, what appears to be mental illness to us today was probably indeed and in fact a matter of being him being uh, indwelt by these demons. And uh, now I will say something about this too, uh, not extensively because this is not a Bible message on demonology, for example, but I think demons are real even today. I think Satan is real. And Satan is mightily at work today. No question about that. And sometimes where you and I as Christians fall into dangerous territory, we make the mistake of believing that we are going to be able to uh, fight the devil on our own. And, and we can't because the devil is so much more powerful than we are. Now, he's not more powerful than God. God is obviously a, a lot more powerful than Satan is. God is obviously much more powerful than these demons are. But I think they, uh, Satan knows today that he's in his last days. He knows the age is gradually coming to an end. His time on this earth is almost done. And so in these last days, I believe Satan is working harder than ever before trying to take over the lives of people. And I tell you, when you look at the news on television today, when you listen to it on the radio, when you read about it in the newspaper or the Internet, you can't help but realize Satan is alive on this earth today. And he's up to his evil purposes. The Bible describes Satan as a lion looking whom he may devour. Now, let me tell you something. When you got saved, that was a major defeat for Satan right there. But you know what? Satan's not giving up because now that you're saved, what Satan wants to do, he wants to keep you from being any value to God whatsoever. And so many Christians today find themselves constantly being tempted by Satan, constantly being harassed by Satan, 
constantly being tormented by Satan. And in some cases, Satan appears to be winning. Now, one of the ways that you and I can have victory over Satan is by getting ourselves planted in the Word of God and getting the Word of God in you. You'll recall in Matthew chapter 4, where we have the temptation account of Jesus. We notice that all three times that Jesus was tempted by the devil, Jesus used scripture. He used his knowledge of the scripture. And that's why you and I as Christians today, we need to be firmly planted in the word of God. We need to get the word of God in us. You shouldn't let a day go by, any day go by, that you don't spend at least some time in the Word of God. Now, I know we all have busy schedules, and not all of you are retired like I am, so, you know, a lot of you have to go to work every day. I understand that. But don't allow yourself to become so busy that you have no time to spend in the Word of God. You should never be so busy that you don't have time to spend in the Word of God. Okay, now, let's, let's read on. It says, Now a large herd of swine was feeding near there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. There were about 2,000, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So those who fed the swine fled, and they told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that had happened. And then they came to Jesus and saw the ones who had been demons possessed and the legion sitting there clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Now that's in verse 15. Now, I want you to get a view of something here. Here these townspeople, they see the man that was crazy. They see the man that had been demon-possessed, and they realize now he had clothes on. Now, we are told by some Bible commentators that he was so crazy before he had basically no clothes on. He was naked, but now he had clothes on. He was in his right frame of mind. He was thinking straight, talking sensibly, and the people were shocked. How could this happen? Well, Jesus is in the healing business. Now, by the way, I'm one of these preachers. I believe people still get healed by Jesus today just like they did years ago. In fact, really, when you boil it down to it, uh, the fact of the matter is divine healing is the only kind of healing there is. Nobody but God can heal, even when you go to a doctor. As talented as the doctor is, and of course I have benefited from the medical skill of doctors all my life. I have. And uh, back a few years ago, I had open heart surgery. And as far as I'm concerned, one of the best heart surgeons in Greenville operated on me and did a very good job. I'm proud of it. 
But ultimately, all healing comes from God. So therefore, all healing is divine healing. Now, I don't believe in making a show out of it like some preachers do. Some preachers, you know, they go up and down the country and they uh, have these so-called healing services and basically they're making a show out of it. They're making entertainment out of it. And, and God's not in the entertainment business. He is in the healing business. He still heals people today just like he did back then. And as far as this man was concerned, I mean, he was evidently healed. <laughs> because these townspeople, they knew about this guy for years and years. <laughs> you know, we had a, a situation here in Greenville, South Carolina, not too many years ago. There was this old lady, and everybody called her Bubba. <laughs> and she walked up and down the streets of Greenville, in particular up and down uh, the streets of West Greenville and Berea and surrounding area. And a lot of times she would walk up and down the street, and, and she would, uh, you know, seemingly be talking to herself and Sometimes if you got too close to her, she'd get angry. She would get defensive. And she became practically a legend in her own time here in Greenville. Well, there were people that had known this crazy man all their lives, and they never knew him to be anything but crazy. But now here he is, fully clothed, well-dressed, right frame of mind, and the people couldn't believe it. Now, let me tell you something. We, we learn some very valuable things here. First of all, when Jesus comes into your life, he changes your life. You're not the same person you used to be. Just as this man wasn't the old crazy man anymore, he was now a fully healed man. He was in his right frame of mind, had nice clothes on. God had obviously miraculously healed him. He was a changed man. He was a different man. And let me tell you something, folks. When the Lord Jesus Christ comes into your life, he heals you, and he gives you a brand new life. Can you not get excited about that? <laughs> he gives you a brand new life. Now, uh, there's some growing to do. Sometimes I think we as Christians, we expect too much too soon out of people that get saved. But I tell you what, folks. When you get saved, you want to be all like Jesus you can be. You want to learn all about Jesus. You want to learn all about the Bible. I remember when I got saved back in November 1969. Yes, I just last Sunday celebrated a spiritual birthday. I remember when I first got saved, man, I had a desire to be in the Word of God every day. And back in those days, I mean, I, I didn't even know what a Bible commentary was. I eventually found out, and then I went on to Bible college and college and seminary and started learning even more. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But it, it was exciting. God had brought about a change in my life, even though I'd already been religious. I mean, uh, I can't remember a time in my life that I wasn't religious but I can remember the day came when I asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, and give me a brand new life. And he has. And I would like to think that my life has been, for the most part, controlled and directed by Jesus Christ.
Now, that doesn't mean I have it blundered from time to time. It doesn't mean I have it blown it from time to time. But I try to live making Jesus Christ the overwhelming Lord in my life. Amen. Um, now, let's uh, read on. Verse 16, it says, And those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. And they began to plead with him to depart from their region. Now, you know, Jesus, one thing I like about Jesus, he didn't try to win popularity contests. You know, I think one of the problems that many of us in the ministry have today is we've got too many preachers that want to win popularity contests. You need to recognize the fact that if you are going into the ministry, if God has called you into ministry, you are not always going to be the most popular man in town. Mark it down. You will not always be the most popular man in town. Sometimes you have to preach things that you would rather not preach. Sometimes you, would, you will have to say things to people you would rather not say. Because you must preach and proclaim the message that the good Lord gives you. But, you will have opposition. Just as Jesus did here. They wanted him to leave town. And you know what? That's basically what Jesus did. He left. Jesus is not going to stay where he's not wanted. Some of you, Jesus has been pleading with you for quite a number of years to get saved and come to know him as Savior. And you keep saying, not now, Lord, not now, Lord. Leave me alone, Lord. Leave me alone, God. And you know what? One day God's going to leave for the last time, and he's not going to give you any more chances to be saved. You know, just the other day I was witnessing to somebody and I told them they need to get saved. They said, well, you know, if the rapture takes place this week, then I'll take that as a sign I need to get saved and I'll be one of the first people saved after the rapture. And I said, no, sir. I said, it doesn't work that way. I said, if you reject Christ as Savior in this life before the rapture, I don't believe God's going to give you a chance to get saved after the rapture. I said, right now I'm giving you what may be your last opportunity to get saved and come to know Christ as Savior. And he just went away. I don't know what he decided. All I could do is present the word. All I could do is plant the seed. And I have to leave the rest to God's Holy Spirit. Amen? So we have here a very exciting story about... Jesus, the pigs, the crazy man, and the pig farmers. Now, the pig farmers obviously weren't too ups I mean, they weren't too happy about the situation either because, I mean, after all, <laughs> that was their livelihood. I read one Bible commentary, and one Bible commentary suggested that Jesus was not very fair to the pig farmers that Jesus was uh, someone who probably did them an injustice and probably should have compensated them for the swine. 
Well, here's where studying the Bible behind the scenes gets interesting. Uh, earlier in this chapter, we asked ourselves a question, who were the Gadarenes? Who were the Gadarenes? <laughs> well, it appears that the Gadarenes, uh, at least some of them were Jews, in fact. But they lived in a very pagan area, and they ended up doing things that no respectable Jew would be doing. For example, no respectable Jew would be in the pig farming business in the first place. And so these pig farmers, if they were Jews, they were seriously out of the will of God, and therefore what Jesus did could have been seen as an act of judgment against the pig farmers for their sin. On the other hand, these pig farmers might have been pagan. They may not have been Jews, even though they were living in an area which was also inhabited by Jews. But either way, I think God was letting these people know that he was God. I mean, in the end, you have to admit, not anybody can do what Jesus did here. And Jesus could do what he did here only because he was the Son of God. He had that kind of power and authority. And that was the message that Jesus was trying to get across to these people. Now, what about you? It's possible that you have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ in your lifetime preached many, many times. But has there been a time when you can recall praying and asking Jesus Christ to come into your heart? If not, you need to make that decision. You see, it doesn't matter how religious you are. You know, before I got saved back in 1969, I read my Bible, I went to church. I was a very religious person. I'd even been baptized. But you see, none of that mattered in the end. I needed to know Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. And so the Sunday before Thanksgiving, 1969, I prayed and I asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart. And guess what, folks? He did. And when he did, guess what? He changed my life. Now, I didn't have to change as dramatically as some people do. I mean, some people, you know, they get saved and it's like the difference between night and day. You know, before they drank, now they didn't. Not before they used drugs, now they don't. In my case, I didn't drink, I didn't use drugs, but I still needed Jesus as my Savior. Amen. And the Lord then gave me a continuing love for the reading of his word, and now, you see, I knew and understood the Bible so much better than I did before. Because, you see, God had now put me in a position so that he could illumine the scriptures and allow me to see things in the scriptures I never saw before. And, you know, this is something that keeps going until the day we die. We keep reading the scripture. We keep studying the scripture. We keep examining the scripture. And God continues to add to our knowledge. Amen. And I thank God for that. He is constantly and continuously adding to our knowledge. Right now, we're going to have a prayer. Then I'm going to pray, and if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, 
I want you to pray this prayer with me or a prayer similar to it. And if you pray and sincerely mean it, God is going to save you. God is going to give you eternal life. Dear Jesus, come into my heart. Lord, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Lord, I admit that in the end, I'm a dirty, rotten, filthy, stinking sinner. And Lord, I need you to come into my heart and save me and give me new life. Give me a new hope. And Lord, I pray that now that I'm saved, you will help me to spend time in your word, that you will get me involved in a good church, and I'll learn even more about your word and learn more about how to be a successful Christian for you, Lord, sharing with others what you have done for me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, let me tell you something, folks. If you prayed that prayer just now, and you really meant it, God has saved you. He's given you new life. And I hope that you'll email me. You could contact me, warrenlandis at yahoo.com, or you can email me, warrenlandis at gmail.com. Either way, I'll get the email, and I'll send you some information on how you could grow as a Christian. And I will help you find a church in your area that faithfully proclaims the Bible as the Word of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, by the way, if you want to contact me by way of snail mail, my snail mail address is Warren Landis, 3001, Old Buncombe Road, apartment number 8, Greenville, South Carolina, 29609. That's Warren Landis, 3001, Old Buncombe Road, Apartment number 8, Greenville, South Carolina. And the zip code is 29609. Now, before you seal the envelope, you might want to pray about whether or not the Lord would have you make a contribution to this ministry to help us keep it going. And even better yet, to expand it. Uh, I have all kinds of ideas in my mind that I need to be praying about uh, in terms of expanding this ministry. But... In any event, we need your financial support to make this possible, and I hope that you'll pray about it today. One other point I want to make in regard to this passage today as we close is the fact that this man wanted to go with Jesus. Jesus was getting in the boat to leave, and he wanted to go with Jesus, and notice that Jesus told him to go home, and he said, as you go, tell people everywhere about what I have done for you. And, you know, that is something Jesus wants you and I to do also. He wants us to spend time every day telling other people what he, Jesus, has done for us. Because, you know what, what the Lord has done for you, what the Lord has done for me, the Lord is more than willing to do for others if we just simply tell them, about Jesus. Well, this is Warren Landis saying goodbye. God bless you. And guess what? I'm going to see you next time on Sunshine USA.